Praise God. Praise God. I'm telling you, I am ever aware of His grace and His mercy to me. I don't ever want to reach the place that I think that it's by my works of righteousness or it's by my strength or my might that I'm living for God. I don't ever want to reach a place that I'm turning up my nose at those who don't know Him. I'm going to tell you the only reason I'm in the church, the only reason you're in the church is because of His grace and mercy. God was gracious enough to reveal this truth to us and to draw us to this place. No man can come to the Father except the Spirit draw him. God had to bring you to that moment. And I don't ever want to forget it. I don't ever want to forget it. Well, hallelujah. Thank you, Brother Goff. I really, I think these songs have been fitting for what I want to talk about here this morning. I do want to say we appreciate each of you being in the house of the Lord. Those that are listening online, we've got a number of folks sick, unable to be here. Uh, some that are working, some that are out of town. Some that are AWOL, absent without leave. You do understand that term. They, in other words, I have no clue where they are. I should, but I don't. Most of you are not that way, and I'm thankful for it. I really am. I really am. It's not that I want to be a dictator. It's that I care about you. When you don't show up for the dinner table, you know, you wonder, well, are, are they sick? Is something wrong? So I appreciate the faithfulness of this church. You all, you all are by and large overwhelmingly very good about always letting me know they're not going to be here. And I appreciate that very, very much. I really do. And I pray God forgives the others. <sighs> Hallelujah. Well, happy Father's Day to all the fathers. I want to emphasize what Brother Goff said to all of the manly fathers, the girly ones, you should have celebrated a month ago. Help me, Jesus. I think I'm feeling a little bit too good today. It's no telling what you're going to miss by being in Sunday school this morning, but I may just have to talk about you this morning. Do what? You might play with those cars down there. You better not. Teach those kids some Bible stories. 
I don't think it's in there. All right. Stop talking to me. I'm trying to preach. Well, praise God. We're going to turn in our Bibles to a familiar passage of Scripture. And uh, I don't mind admitting this to you. Some of you, I don't think you will, but all day yesterday, all day long, I, I was contemplating, thinking about today's service, and that's, that's generally the way that it goes for me. We get a day or so out from a service, and it's on my mind, and I'm prayerful, and I'm contemplating, and I'm considering, and I'm trying to feel after God to find out what the Lord wants. I know we've been in a series, and we will pick up on that series again, Lord willing, next week. But yesterday, and this is, this is not normal procedure for me, but yesterday there was a title that was just, it was just there. And I, I just felt this confidence. And, and I knew the basic thought of what I wanted to convey. And so when I got my computer out last night and I, I went to open a document, I looked and lo and behold, I'd actually preached a message with this title and with this thought. But I make no apology. It's what's been on my heart. And um, it's, been, it's been a number of years ago. I don't apologize for doing it. Um, I say it just because I have on occasion had people say, you know you preached that before? Oh, no, I had no idea. <laughs> No, I've, I've often said, you know, a singer gets up and sings the same song and you don't complain about it. In fact, sometimes we, we get to where we like a song so well, we want to listen to it three or four times. At least I do. And I, I have on occasion just put a song on constant repeat. You know, yeah. So, just... Consider that you've put it on repeat if you heard this. Most of you were not even here then. And uh, so most of you have not. But I'm saying it for the sake of those who might and just might possibly remember, though that's doubtful. Um, since I didn't even remember it. Um. Uh, well, that's probably what was going on. I was probably remembering it. And anyhow, whatever. But it's what I felt. And uh, I have felt it, felt it, felt it. It's not going to be exactly the same. But, but it is along those lines. And it's what I'm feeling this morning. And so I'm going to try to deliver the burden of my heart today. Amen. Every service matters to me. Every service matters to me. I, I take this very, very seriously. Praise God. Um, by the way, it's good to have Brother Hall here. I meant to say this when everybody was still in here. Brother, Elder Brother Goff um, in Paola has felt led to just close that church. That's where Brother Hall has been attending. And Elder Brother Goff approached me about Brother Hall coming here. Some of you remember him. It was a few years back that he 
don't know when you first moved to Kansas City. 97. So I, I came in 96, so just a year after I got here, he came up to this area and um, at the time was wanting to start a church. And he met the district board, and the district board didn't know him, and you'd have to know Elder Westberg. Elder Westberg's not going to just approve just anybody and everybody. They didn't know him, so Elder Westberg said, look, why don't you go sit in Brother Riggins' church for a while? And so that's what he did. And he was here with us for, uh, I don't know how many years, two and a half years here, helping us, him and his wife. And um, he started feeling, I know you're standing. It's all right. Um, he started feeling like God was getting ready to open a door, and I did too. But I felt like God already told me what door he was going to open. And Brother Hall approached me about something. I said, well, I don't really feel that. I knew what I was feeling. And I felt like God was going to open a door for him in Lawrence. And uh, it wasn't long until Brother Glotto, who was pastoring there at the time, called me. And he said, Brother, I've been praying, and I feel like I need to leave. And I feel like Brother Hall's the man. And uh, I said, well, I had already felt that. I was just waiting on your phone call. And so we went to Brother Hall and talked to him. And he went and pastored the church there in Lawrenceburg for uh, a number of years and uh, then he's kind of I guess semi-retired I don't know what you call it we're going to get him refired before it's over with but but uh, he's been down in Paola with brother with elder brother Goff and uh, when he found out that the church there was closing down he approached brother Goff and he told us I'd really like to go back to Old Oak Hill elder Goff called me about it and so we want to welcome him back home. And uh, prayer was already made for his wife. She is in need of surgery. She's got some major problems with her back and neck. And um, we want to pray for her, continue praying for her. She's a sweet lady. And I, I really want God to heal her because I want some more red beans and rice. And... Uh, <laughs> I'm telling you, she can fix it like nobody else can. She, she can do it, and uh, she, she can, she can definitely cook up some of that Cajun food. So, anyhow, welcome to Brother Hall. Um, Luke chapter 15. I got to quit fooling around here. Get into the Word of God. Luke chapter 15. And verse number 11, familiar passage of Scripture to most of us. We'll take it a little different direction this morning. Luke chapter 15 and beginning with verse number 11. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, father. Give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided them, he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly 
with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. Now I want you to hear me this morning. My title may surprise you. Because when we read this story, we all think of the prodigal son. Now that's not a term that's in the scripture. Somebody gave it that term to describe the situation. And so when we read this, that's what we think of, the prodigal son. I want to preach teach, treat, whatever, from this thought this morning, the prodigal father. The prodigal father. Let's put our Bibles down. Let's talk to the Lord. Let's ask Him to speak to us today. I've got something burning on my heart. And um, I want us to pray and ask God for His help today. Would you do that, everybody? Let's lift our voices to the Lord. We thank you. Let's praise Him together before we're seated. Everybody, let's praise the Lord. Let's praise the Lord. I love you, Jesus. Praise God. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Now, I have no doubt that at least some of you and very possibly many, if not most of you, have already made an assumption about the direction I'm going based on my title. When when I announce that I'm going to talk to you about the prodigal father, you probably had some idea in your mind what I wanted to bring to you today, because we think of the word prodigal in a way that generally means a backslider, means one who has departed or is wayward, and so I'm sure that there are those that are thinking that I want to talk today about dads who are MIA, missing in action. Fathers who have shirked their duties. Men that have walked away from their families and or neglected their responsibilities. Now if that was the direction I was headed, there would be 
good cause for me to do so in this hour. Because there are many, many fathers, unfortunately, who fall into that category. There are too many children being raised without the guidance of a godly dad. The reason that our world is in the shape that it's in, I'm telling you, is because of the absence of godly fathers. Hallelujah. And if there ever was a need for men to step up to the plate and be righteous and be holy and lead their families according to the precepts of God, that need is prevalent in today's society. Sir, your family needs you to do what's right. Your family needs you to live a righteous life. Your family needs you to lead them in prayer, in Bible study. Your family needs you to bring them to church, not just send them to church. Your children need to see What a godly man is like. They need to see how a godly man treats his wife. Your daughters are learning. They're learning. From the example you give, whether it's correct information or incorrect. The way a girl ought to be treated. By the way you treat your wife. Your sons are learning. Whether rightly or wrongly. How they're supposed to treat. Those of the opposite sex. There really is a need. For multiple lessons and sermons. Addressing the very rapid increase of wayward fathers. To the point of it being truly a pandemic. You want to talk about something that's of epidemic proportions. Absentee fathers. Well, it's the truth. It's the truth. And so if that's the direction I was going to go today, there'd be, there'd be plenty of reason for me to do it, and I would be perfectly in order to do so if I felt that's what God wanted. But that's not the direction I'm going today. In fact, I've already said more about it than I intended to. That's not at all what I'm thinking. But in order for you to understand the direction that I feel led to take this morning, there are two things that I have to first address. 
To begin with, I need to relate an incident that took place when I was in college. I think that's probably where this idea has its roots. And um, so we'll, we'll talk about that. And then the second thing, I, I've got to discuss with you what the word prodigal actually means. They, they've already told me that on my tombstone they're going to put words mean things. You might want to follow that with the words, the end. <laughs> if there is any phrase, I can promise you if there's any phrase that my son's in the gospel, I, I know, I know how I, I get up a lot and I say, you know, my pastor used to say, my pa if there's any phrase, Brother Goff, that I know my sons in the gospel are going to repeat they're going to say, as my pastor used to say, words mean things. And they do. And we need to know what they mean. And we need to choose our words wisely. So first, let me talk to you about this Bible school incident. During my years at Texas Bible College, um, most of us, we, we, our classes ran... Well, for all of us, the classes ran from, from you know, around, I don't, I don't know, it was 7.30 or 8 in the morning, and it would go until about noon or 12.30 in the afternoon, something like that. Uh, so all the classes were, were laid out for us, so they were all morning classes. And the reason was because most people were having to work jobs to pay their way through college, and so they would, they would teach us in the morning, and then we'd have the afternoons we could work second shift, uh, on, on the jobs that we took uh, to pay our way through college. And so that's exactly what most of us did. Very few, very few had uh, complete scholarships. And, and part of the reason is because um, there weren't many scholarship agencies that would, that would give a scholarship to a one God Jesus name Bible school. They just wouldn't do it. Now, I was blessed. I was interviewed by a, uh, a group that was giving away a scholarship, and I didn't know. that They, they went to interview me, and they said, you know, what do you, what do you plan to do? Where, where are you going? Where are you going to college? And I told them, Texas Bible College. And, and they said, well, what do you plan to do with your life? I said, well, I'm going to be a minister. And I mean, I just laid it all out for them. And they later said, we don't normally give a scholarship to a, to a school like that. But they said, this young man knows exactly what he wants to do with his life, and we don't find many young men that are that way. And so we're going to give him a scholarship. So I was able to, to, to get some help. It didn't pay for everything. It wasn't a full ride. But, you know, even a little bit of a ride is better than having to walk all the way, you understand. Uh, but, but that ride didn't take long till it was out of gas. And... Uh, and, and I had to start working to pay the rest of my way. And, and so we would work this, these second shifts, you know, usually ran from, from 2 to 10 or 3 uh, to 11, something like that. And, and, um, and so because of that, we, we were not able to go to a midweek service. Uh, Sunday services were the only services we were able to get in. 
And, 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 and that's just the way it was because we were all working in the evenings. And so I don't know who started it. It started long before I got there, but, but somebody had come up with this idea that we would have a little service in the men's prayer room uh, once a week in the evening when most guys had gotten off work. And so we would gather. They called it a Vesper service. Vesper really means evening prayer. Um, so I, I, but, but that was what they called it. They called it Vesper service. Um, and, and so we would gather for this Vesper service in the men's prayer room. And they had a little, uh, little basic pulpit that they would bring in. And, and one of the young preachers in training would, would preach. And, uh, we, you know, we'd preach to each other. And that was our midweek service. And generally speaking, I mean, you know, most of the guys were just getting started. And, and I know for me, now by the time I got to Bible college, I had already been preaching for several years. But for most guys, when, when they got there, they, they either had never preached or they were just beginning to preach in their early days of preaching. And um, I don't know about you, Brother Goff, or any of the other preachers that are here, but, you know, my very first sermon lasted all of about five minutes. I know some of you find that very hard to believe. But it's true. If I went ten, it's because I said the same thing twice. And so that's the way it was for me, and that's the way I think it is for most guys that are just starting out. In fact, Brother Jared Hilton commented um, at some point last weekend about how uh, that I, I require, I pulled him in the office one day and said, don't you step to the pulpit unless you've got at least five pages of notes. Now I need to call him in and say, look, take a few pages out. No, no, no. no I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Um, but most guys, when they're just starting out, that's the best they can do. You know, five minutes, ten minutes max for, for their first few sermons. And, and this was especially uh, fitting for us because we'd been in school all morning, had worked all afternoon. It's now 10 o'clock, 10.30, 11 o'clock at night. We got to be back up early the next morning. So, you know, we really didn't want long services. Um, and so, there was a young man there. And uh, this young man, he is still a friend. I, I saw him recently at Brother Robert Davis's funeral. And we, we talked for a long time. We're still, we still have a friendship. In fact, he was passing through Olathe a few years ago and called me and we went and met and spent some time together. Still, still have a friendship with him. If he knew I was telling the story, please, if anybody finds out who this is, don't, don't tell him that I'm telling on him. Although he'd probably laugh about it now. But, but there's a couple of things I remember about him preaching in that Vesper service. Um, while, as I said, my first sermon was maybe five to ten minutes. This was his first sermon, his first time to ever preach. And I'm telling you, it was every bit of an hour. 
and maybe longer. And it seemed it was three at least. Now that's one of the things I remember about that outstanding message he preached. But I'll tell you, it really was outstanding in this that I went to, I don't know how many Vesper services in the four years that I was in college. Well, most of it was when I was single, so it would have been two years um, that I was in college because they did that in the guys' dorm, the single guys. So after I got married, it was a whole different dynamic. But, um, but those first two years, I don't know how many Vesper services I was in, and I couldn't tell you probably not a handful of sermons that were preached. But his I remember. One, because it was so long, and I was so tired, and everybody else was so tired, and he wouldn't stop. But the second thing was, something he said in that message that had us in stitches, not while he was preaching, but after he got through and we were in our rooms and he wasn't anywhere around to hear us. He was preaching from this very passage, preaching about the prodigal son. And so he said that, he used that term many times, and we were all thinking exactly what everyone else thinks when he said the prodigal son. But at some point, we realized that's not what he was saying. He was not saying the prodigal son. He was saying the prodigal's son. And we didn't catch that until at some point he said, and then the day came when that old prodigal stepped out on the front porch and saw his son coming home. And we held our guffaws until we got away from him so as to not make him feel too bad. Of course, most Bible college students didn't care too much about making someone feel bad. And so I'm sure we did let him have it about it later on. But this was, after all, a church service. So we didn't want to be too disruptive, you understand. But we laughed about him referring to the father as the prodigal. And thought, you know, the poor guy doesn't even know what the word means. And you know... As I have thought about it, when I started looking at the Word, which is the second thing I told you you're going to have to understand to know where I'm going this morning. When I started looking at this Word, Brother Goff, the word prodigal does not mean wayward. It does not mean one who abandoned their post. It doesn't mean backslider. In fact, I searched and could not find any source that defined the word prodigal in that way. That is not a definition for the word prodigal. And we use it all the time. We're always talking about well, the prodigals that are out there, the prodigals that are out there. And, and we use it to mean the backsliders. But the word does not mean that at all. Do I have your attention now? The word prodigal 
actually means spending money or resources freely and recklessly. It means wastefully extravagant. Having or giving something on a lavish scale. So that's why he was called the prodigal son. Because he wasted his substance. He threw it away. He spent it lavishly. He lived lavishly. He lived extravagantly. Right? And that's why he was called the prodigal son. He took his father's inheritance and he just blew it. Whatever he wanted, he spit it. No limits. No budget. Just spend what he wanted to spend. Recklessly, lavishly, extravagantly. And that sounds really bad. But what if we thought about it in a little different perspective? I want you to look again at the story that we have read for our text. Brother Goff, read for me Luke 15 verses 11 through 14. And this is Bible study time. Get your Bibles out. We're going to study a little bit here this morning. So follow along, Luke 15, verses 11 through 14. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And so now this man was obviously very rich. He was very wealthy. He owned a large uh, ranch, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, and, and the man was very, very wealthy. But he's got one of his boys that comes in and says, I don't want to wait for you to die. I want my inheritance now. And so the father didn't just take half of it and give it to that son. He also gave the other half to the other son. He divided unto them his living. Everything he had, he gave it away. Read. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together. And so the younger son took his portion. And took his journey into a far country. He went into a far country. And there wasted and his substance. And where he was prodigal. He wasted his substance. With riotous with living. With riotous living. And when he had spent all. And when all, he had spent all. There arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. The Amplified Bible says that he wasted his fortune in reckless and loose living. Darby's translation says he dissipated his property, living in debauchery. The easy-to-read version says he wasted his money living like a fool. Barnes notes on the New Testament tells us that he was living without saving anything. And so it's safe to say the son was indeed a prodigal. But I want you to think 
for a moment about the Father. Luke 15 verse 17, listen to what the son said about his daddy. And when he came to himself. When the son came to himself. He said, how he many, said, how hired, many servants hired servants of my father's, of my have, father's bread have bread enough, enough and, to spare. and to spare. And I perish with and hunger. And I perish with hunger. God's word translation said these workers had more food than they could eat. The Tree of Life version says they had food overflowing. Young's literal translation says they had a super abundance of bread. Now remember, we're not talking about the father's family. We're just talking about his servants, his hired hands. But the Bible says that when it came to taking care of them, he gave them more than they even needed. Doesn't that sound lavish to you? Doesn't that sound extravagant to you? Now, that's not all that we read about the father. Read verses 22 through 24. But the father said to his when servants. When the son comes home, he's been wayward. He's thrown everything away. He's got the smell of pigs on him. He has wasted his, his, his life. He's been involved in debauchery and all kinds of sinfulness. But his father said to the servants. Bring forth the best robe. Not just bring him some clean clothes, but I want you to find the very best that I've got. And I want you to put the best robe on him. And put a ring on and his I hand. I want you to put a ring. That's the symbol of authority. I'm giving him authority in this family again. He gets to make decisions in this household again. And shoes on his feet. Put some shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted bring calf. Not just any calf. I want you to go find the best one that's out there. I want it. you to look for the one that's really been grazing well. I want you to go get the very best among our herds and bring it and kill it. And let us and eat. Let's eat. And be merry. Let's throw a party. That sounds lavish to me. That sounds extravagant to me. Come on, is anybody hearing me today? I'm preaching about a prodigal father. I'm preaching about a man who looked at a no good for nothing son and said, I know you don't deserve it, but I'm going to give you more than you can imagine. I'm going to give you more than you could ever hope for. I'm preaching to somebody today. We need to understand the father that we serve. He's extravagant. He's lavish. He doesn't stop halfway. He doesn't do anything half-hearted. I'm telling you, we don't deserve what we've got. We don't deserve what we're feeling. We don't deserve the glory that's in this house today. But it's our Father. He's lavish. He's extravagant. He goes to the extremes. I started thinking maybe my friend wasn't so far off base after all. That father does sound pretty prodigal when you think about it. I can't imagine. I'm just being honest. I can't imagine that I would do things quite the way the father did. But then I'm not him. I got a feeling as a daddy I'd be pretty upset. 
I love my kids, but if they're going to take everything I've worked for all my life and just throw it away, you think I wouldn't be a little bit bothered by that? But not this father. He's just glad that his boy's back home. He's just so glad that he came to his senses. His son said, you don't even have to call me son. Just call me a servant. He said, oh, no, no. This is my son. He was dead, but he's alive. It's party time. It's time to be lavish. It's time to be extravagant. That's the kind of father we have. Dear God, we sit around and wonder, will he heal me? Will he touch me? Does he care? Oh, friend, if you only knew about this prodigal father we've got, if you only understood just how much he wants to do for you, just how much he wants to give you, just how much he wants to bless you, just how much he desires to open the windows of heaven for his children. We only think of God as some kind of lawgiver sitting up there with a thunderbolt in his hand, ready to zap us over every mistake. That's not the Father. That's not the Father I serve. That's not my spiritual daddy. I'm telling you, there's something different about him. He's unlike anybody else. His grace and mercy has brought me through. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, the only reason that we're here this morning is because we got a prodigal father. to somebody. You need to get that guilt off of you. You need to shake all of that old condemnation off of your shoulders and understand God is lavish with his grace. He's lavish with his mercy. He wants to extend his blessings to you. We've all made mistakes. We've all done things. Oh, yeah, preacher, but you don't know. You don't know how bad I've been. It doesn't matter. Here was a boy that threw everything away, spit in his daddy's face. But when he came back home, daddy said, that's all I wanted. I just wanted you to recognize you made a mistake. You've come home. You've repented. Now let's party. Let's have a good time. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody here today. You come into church and the devil tries to beat you down. You shouldn't worship. You shouldn't run the aisles. Look at how bad you've been. Look at everything you've gone through. Yeah, don't you understand? God is mad at you. You don't have a right to shout. You don't have, oh, shut up, devil. I got a prodigal father. No, I don't deserve this, but he loves me anyhow. And he wants to see my praise. He's ready. To bring out the fatted calf for me. Hallelujah. Oh, I feel this this morning. 
I feel this this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You need to shake off that condemnation. Get rid of all of that. That, 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 that wayward son, he couldn't undo the bad things he'd done. And I can promise you the rest of his life, he's going to be haunted by memories. He can't get rid of those memories. But one thing about it, daddy's not going to throw it up in his face. Daddy said, my son was dead, but he is alive. He was lost, but he is found. And we're going to focus on the found and the alive. So let's party. Come on. Come on. I think we need to understand just how prodigal our father is. We need to understand the prodigal grace, the prodigal mercy, the lavish, the extravagant, the extreme grace and mercy that God has for us. God, I hope I'm, I hope I'm reaching who I need to reach this morning. I, I'm telling you, you need, you need to understand. You need to understand. God is lavish. God is extravagant. Even his servants, he gave them more than they could eat. They didn't have to. They're just servants. But that's just the way he is. And that's what his son remembered about him. Here I am starving. And I could walk into any of the servants' quarters and find old spoiled bread that they never even got to. Because my daddy's a prodigal. My daddy is lavish. My daddy, if he'll just hire me on, that's a, I'll be better taken care of if he'll just hire me on. But he said, no, no, no. We're not going that route. You're my son. He gave the servants extra bread, but he gave the son the fatted calf. It's the way our God is. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm supposed to be teaching this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 8 through 15. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Let's not go through this too fast. God is able to make all grace, do what? Abound towards you. Abound toward you. Uh huh. That ye have always having all sufficiency. Always having all sufficiency in all things. In all things may abound to every good work. Abound to every good work. Now let me read this to you from another translation. As he reads a verse in the King James, I'm going to read the verse in another translation. All right. So so you bear with me. It says God can bless you with everything you need and you will always have more than enough to do all kinds of good things for others. My, 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 my. Verse 9. As it is written, 
he hath dispensed abroad. He hath given to the poor. His righteousness remaineth forever. Now, this says the scriptures say God freely gives his gifts to the poor. He always does right. Read. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. This says God gives seed to farmers and provides everyone with food. He will increase what you have so that you can give even more to those in need. Read. Being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causes through us thanksgiving to God. You will be blessed in every way, and you will be able to keep on being generous. Then many people will thank God when we deliver your gift. For the administration of this service not only supplieth the wants of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. What you are doing is much more than a service that supplies God's people with what they need. It's something that will make many others thank God. Whilst by the experiment of this ministration they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men. The, the way in which you have proved yourselves by this service will bring honor and praise to God. You believed the message about Christ and you obeyed it by sharing generously with God's people and with everyone else. And by their prayer for you, with long after you, which long after you, for the exceeding grace of God in you. Now they are praying for you and want to see you because God used you to bless them so very much. Thanks be unto God for, this uns for his unspeakable gift. Thank God for his gift that is too wonderful for words. I'm telling you our God is lavish. I'm telling you our God is extravagant. I'm telling you when it comes to what God gives his people, we can't measure the greatness of what the Father bestows on us. Oh, yes, he's more than enough. First Peter 1 and 3. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant his mercy, abundant mercy, hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He's prodigal in his mercy unto us. Amen. I'm telling you, this is just the way God operates. It's the way he's always operated. This is not something new that I'm introducing to you. I'm just trying to help you understand what the Father's really like. I'm trying to get rid of that old Greek image of God. You, you're thinking about Zeus is who you're thinking about. You're not thinking about Jehovah God. It's Zeus that sets up there with the thunderbolts a God that man has made but not the God we serve the father we serve is lavish in his grace he's abundant in his mercy well hallelujah in his earthly ministry Jesus showed this very quality time and time again. To begin with, consider what he did with the feeding of the multitude. Now, we often say the feeding of the 5,000. And that's really a misnomer. 
It really is. Read for me Matthew 14, verse 21. And they that had eaten were about 5,000 men beside women and children. There were 5,000 men. But there were also women and children. Yes, sir. I don't know how many were in the crowd that day. But it's very possible that it was 15 to 20,000 people. Most families didn't have just one child. And believe it or not, some people back then had more than one wife. They did. Now, Jesus put an end to that when he very clearly gave commandment and said, no man can serve two masters. <laughs> Don't get mad. This is Father's Day. I get a few free shots, all right? Um, but, but for each man, if, if, if even a few of those men were married and had their wives there, and a few of those men had their children there, it would very easily have been fifteen to 20,000 people that day. That's a pretty big crowd by any standard. But look at what he did. Matthew 14, verse 20. And they did all they eat. They did all eat. And were filled. And they were filled. And they took and up of the fragments. they took up of the fragments. That remained that 12 remained baskets. 12 baskets full. full. I'm talking about an extravagant God. He didn't just create just enough for them to be satisfied or just enough for them to get by. He gave them more than what they had to have. Listen to me, saint of God. You can make it. I don't care what the trial is. I don't care what the problem is. I don't care what the difficulty is. I don't care what the dilemma is. I don't care what the temptation is. We've got an extravagant God. His grace, His mercy, His provision will always be more than what you even need. And that's not all. It says 12 baskets full, and so we think, okay, well, he had a basket for each of the disciples. But, but let's read John 6 and 11, and let's see what it says. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, to the disciples. and the disciples to them that were set down, uh -huh. and likewise of the fishes as much as they as would. As much as they would. Yes. Not as much as they needed. Or as much as they thought they could eat. But Jesus said, this is more than an all-you-can-eat buffet. Because if you want to take some home, take as much as you want. The supply is not going to end. 
Is anybody hearing this preacher this morning? Is anybody getting what I'm trying to tell you today? Hallelujah. We're so worried. God, how am I going to make it? How am I going to get through? What am I going to do? How am I going to deal with this? How am I going to deal with that? Oh, friend, you need to understand the prodigal father. You need to understand how lavish he is. You need to understand how much he enjoys pouring out his blessings on you. Oh, God, give us a revelation of this powerful, lavish, extravagant God that we serve. We need a better understanding of who He is and just how He deals with His people. Well, praise God. Amen. I'm looking for a scripture here that uh, I didn't put in my notes, so... Brother Goff, get your sword ready. Amen. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to go to, go to Malachi chapter 3 and verse number 10 and, and to our sound personnel, my apologies, but she does such a good job and she just stays on top of it and she doesn't flinch when I throw, when I become extravagant in my scripture reading. I'm a little prodigal in my teaching today, but but it's all right. Um, Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10 says this. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, uh-huh. that there may be meat in my ho- uh-huh. mine house. And prove, and prove me, me now. Prove me now. Herewith, Herewith saith the Lord, saith of, the Lord hosts, of hosts, if I will, if not, I will open not open you the windows of the heaven. windows of heaven. And, and listen pour, to this. And pour, and you, pour out a blessing, you out a blessing that there that shall there not, shall be, not room enough be room enough to receive, enough it. to receive it. He didn't say, if you'll do this, I'll meet your need. He said, if you'll do this, I'll give you more than you've even got room to hang on to. Well, did he say it or didn't he? Somebody said, I can't afford to tithe. I'm telling you, friend, you can't afford not to. You don't understand the kind of blessing God puts on it. You don't understand the kind of blessing that God gives with it. You say, well, he hadn't done it for me. Well, then go ask him about it because he said, prove me, prove me, prove me. That's all you got to do, God. I want the proof. You said it in your word. I want the proof. Come on, somebody. I feel it tightening up on me. Am I in the scripture or am I not? He said, prove me now herewith, as saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough. There shall not be room enough to receive it. They did all eat. You read a while ago. 
Matthew 14 and 20, they did all eat. All of them. And were filled. And they took up the fragments. Twelve baskets full of leftovers. Because he's a prodigal God. He's a lavish, extravagant, extreme God. Let's go back to our text in Luke chapter 15. Still got your Bible open there? If not, it's not too late to reopen it. Luke 15, verses 25 to 30. Let's, let's read a little more of this story. Luke 15, verses 25 through 30. Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. Now, 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 now pay attention. So the other brother gets mad. He's angry. He's pouting. That's what he's doing. He's pouting. He was angry and said, I'm not going to the party. Right? That's what he said. I'm not going in. I'm not going to be a part of this party. And so the father came out, not and rebuked him, but entreated him. Read. And he answered, answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee. And the son said, I have been doing right for years. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. I have not violated anything you've ever told me. And yet thou never gavest me a kid. But you never had a party like this for me. That I may, might make merry with my friends. Read. But as soon as this thy son but was as come. as soon as this. Which hath not, not my brother. Right. This thy son. Right. right. He wouldn't even recognize him as his brother. That's your boy. You moms and dads know what that term's all about. That's your boy. Right? Come on, you don't have to raise your hand, but have your parents ever said that to the spouse? That's your kid. In other words, that's not my problem. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't cause them to act that way. That's your kid. That's right. Yeah, yeah, I know you better than you think I do. <laughs> this thy son, as soon as this thy son was come. Which hath devoured thy living devoured, with harlots. He's got to drag up everything that his brother did. He devoured your living with harlots. Thou hast killed for him the fatted you calf. You brought out the very best. You were lavish on him and you hadn't done one thing for him. What an attitude. Right. Yes, sir. What a rotten attitude. He didn't care about his brother. Right. He was being a smart aleck towards his father. Yes, sir. 
Well, he was. But look at the father's response. Read the next verse, verse 31. And he said unto him, Son, Son thou art ever with you me. You are ever with me. And all that I have everything that I have is thine. Is yours. In spite even of this son's rotten, smart aleck attitude, Daddy still said, Look right. across the ranch, boy. Right. Right. That that cow that's yours. That goat over there, that's yours. These acres, they're yours. Everything here is yours. I don't own anything anymore. It's all yours. That's the attitude of this father. In spite of the attitude of the son, the father said, all that I have is thine. That seems a bit extravagant to me. That seems a bit lavish to me. And dad goes on, verse 32. It was meet that we should make merry. It's only fitting that we have a party. And be glad. And be glad. For this thy brother was dead. Because your brother was dead. And is alive and again. And is alive again. And was lost. And was lost. And is found. And is found. Isn't it interesting? The, the, this angry, rotten, attitude uh, son. He wouldn't even call the man his brother. That's daddy's other son. But when daddy talked about him, he referred to him as the, the one with the rotten attitude as his son and the other one that's your brother you need to get the right attitude but listen whether you want to be a part of the party or not that's up to you but we are going to celebrate we got reason to be excited I know what he's done and he's repented I know what he's done but he's made it right he's come back home this is where he belongs he's not out there with the harlots today oh would somebody hear me they're not out there drinking today they're not out there partying today. They're in the house of God. Would you get rid of your self-righteous attitude and be glad that that son has come home. Be glad that that wayward child has returned to the father's house. It's party time. In spite of everything, in spite of everything, the father was still insistent. The party is going on. And you might as well join it. Because everything here is yours. You want a fatted calf? Just go out there and get you one. It's yours. While you're sitting here complaining that you don't have one, they're all out there. You can go pick what you want. Hello? That's the Father that we have today. That's the God that we serve. Even when our attitudes get bad, God just looks lovingly down on us. And he says, look, all that I have, it's yours. Brother Goff, it's yours. Whatever you want, it's yours. Whatever you set your eyes on in the kingdom of God, it's yours. Your father said, I'm not going to withhold any good thing from you. I want to give it to you. Why do we struggle with whether God's going to answer our prayers? Why do we wrestle with whether God's going to hear us when we cry? God says, you're my child. Oh, but I've done... Yes, you've done things wrong. So what? 
Come in and repent and get over it. And then let's have a party. I'm not saying go live like you want to. I said repent and get over it. I'm telling you, let's do what's right, but then let's come to church and have church. Let's understand God wants to open up the heavens and give it all to you. You want healing? That's part of what he's got. It's open for you today. You need a financial blessing? That's part of what he's got. It's open for you today. All that I have, he said, it's yours. It's yours. Everything I've got belongs to you. Yes, sir. Oh, hallelujah. This is the way he is when someone comes to him. In fact, I've often wondered if we haven't really misunderstood what the scripture is saying in Luke 15, verse 10. This is the same chapter as the story of the prodigal, whether it be a prodigal son who was prodigal in a negative way or a prodigal father who was prodigal in a positive way. But leading up to that story is this verse in the same chapter, Luke 15 and verse 10. Likewise, I say unto you, you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Now, I I really think, I, I, I can't prove And I've always said that when it's my opinion, I would tell you it's my opinion. So I can't prove this. But I really wonder if we haven't totally misunderstood what this scripture is saying. Because we say the angels are rejoicing. But Brother Goff, the angels don't understand what we've got. They don't understand redemption. The angels haven't been lost and then found. The angels have not been bought by the blood of the Lamb. They don't comprehend what redemption is really all about. What have they got to rejoice about? Look at the verse again. Likewise, I say unto you, There is joy in the presence of the angels of God. Presence. Of the angels. Whoever is in the angels presence. Is the one possessing the joy. Who's in the presence of the angels. Now you say well I don't think God rejoices over it. Oh really? Let me show you. This is Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. And I'm closing here. I got I to bring this thing to a close. Um, musicians, you can come. Luke chapter 10, verses 20 and 21. Listen to this. Notwithstanding in this rejoice not. Jesus is talking to his disciples. They've just come back from casting out devils. And they, they were rejoicing because they said, Lord, even the demons are subject unto us through thy name. And Jesus said to them, don't rejoice in that. that the sp- That's nothing to get excited about. He said, I saw Satan fall as lightning from heaven. It's no big deal. 
Really? I mean, that's the Riggin Revised Version, but that's what he said. That's no big deal. What, what's, get your Bible. Go, go over there to Luke chapter 10. And, and, and let's, let's back it up a little bit here. I don't even know what verse we need to read, but, but I want them to see what I'm talking about. What, th- this is verse 20. Um, what, what's verse 19 say? Uh, it says, Behold, I give unto you power. To okay, work. so back it up before that. What's 18 say? And he said unto them, I behold, the Savior of light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So back it up a little bit more. 17 and 70 returned again. Seven, all right, start right there, 17. Luke 10, 17. Start right there. And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. So they come back rejoicing. Oh, man, we're casting out devils. They're subject to us through thy name. Read. And he said unto them, he said unto them I beheld Satan as lightning, Satan fall, as from lightning fall from heaven. I did. Right. I saw it when it happened. Not as a second person in the Trinity. Right. He saw it as God. Right. I watched it when it happened. Read. Behold, I give unto you the power. And I give to you power. To tread on serpents to just and scorpions. Walk on those serpents and scorpions. And over all the power of the enemy. And over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall, nothing by, any shall means by any means hurt, hurt you. Jesus, you. Jesus is just like shrugging his shoulders here. Look, guys, this is no big deal. And then he says in verse 20. Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not. Don't rejoice about this. This is not a big deal. That the spirits are subject unto you. Don't shout and dance because the devil has to yield to you. But rather rejoice. But I'll tell you what to get excited about. Because your names are written in heaven. Are written in heaven. Now, this is what Jesus said. He said, you want something to shout about? When somebody gets saved, that's something to shout about. When some soul comes to God, that's reason to get excited. And then what happens in verse 21? In that hour. In that hour. In what hour? That hour. In what hour? In the hour in which Jesus started talking about people getting saved. In that hour, what happened? Jesus rejoiced in spirit. spirit. And that word rejoiced is agaliaho. That means to show great happiness or triumph. It literally means to jump for joy and to dance and spin in circles. Jesus started shouting when he thought about people getting saved. You want to tell me that's not where the joy is in the presence of the angels? I'm telling you, it's not just angels up there flapping their wings because somebody comes to God. It's God. God that gets excited about it. This extravagant, lavish, greatly giving father gets excited when you come to him and his door is open today and he's looking for you and he's ready for you. And if you don't know him, now's the best time to come and give your life to him. Let's stand this morning. Let's stand. Play, play softly. Now listen to me, listen to me. Listen to me. Some of you, under the sound of my voice, God put this message on my heart for you. Because you need to get a revelation today. That God doesn't want you walking through the doors of this church clouded 
with guilt and condemnation over the past. God has not stripped from you the right of worship because of some failure in your life. God has not taken away from you the right to enjoy His presence because you've done some things wrong. That's not the Father we serve. We serve a prodigal father. We serve a lavish father. We serve an extravagant father. You know what he's waiting on? He's just waiting on you to come back and say, Dad, I'm home. And I'm not going anywhere. I've learned my lesson. I'm here. And you know what his response is? Great. Let's have a party. Let's have a Holy Ghost throwdown. Why don't you shake that guilt off? Why don't you get rid of that condemnation? Why don't you throw it away forever? I'm telling you, God wants you to be as excited as He is. Come on, some of you need to come down around the front right now. Some of you need to come down here and let the devil know I'm tired. Of constantly being reminded of where I was and what I was. I'm not that anymore. I've made up my mind. I'm back at the Father's house. He's got a fatted calf waiting on you. He's got his best robe waiting on you. He's got that ring of authority waiting on you. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. There's some of you need to get some liberty in the Holy Ghost today. You need to get some freedom in the Spirit today. Jesus come on come on come on. are you just going to keep living in the guilt are you going to keep living under the shadow of your past the Lord has sent a message for you today for you can have liberty and freedom he wants to lavish his blessings on you today come on saints come on let's worship God it's time for a Holy Ghost party for a little while it's still early we've got time to have a little bit of a Holy Ghost party around here come on there's some people that need some encouragement to get to know this father the way he really is 
Oh, come on, come on, come on, come on. Let's not stop. Let's keep pushing. God wants to do something here today. God wants to do something here today. God wants to set some people free from guilt, from condemnation. God wants to set some people free today. Come on, lift your voices, lift your voices. Let's reach out to Him. Let's worship Him. Can you just worship Him for a little while? Let's push. Let's push. God wants to send His glory into this house right now. God wants to give some people some liberty right now. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. Jesus.